You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Well, good morning, 10 o'clock, and welcome to you all. Welcome back to our returning students. We missed you while you were gone over the summer. Uh, To all the guests who might be here today, we welcome um, each of you. And to the first-time freshmen or transfer students, welcome to Waco. Welcome to Highland today as well. I loved my years at, at Baylor getting my undergrad degree, all five of them, not not five degrees, five years that took me to get my one degree uh, several years back. Now, you're at Highland today, and let me just tell you, our, our goal here is not to be a trendy church. I've got my $5 V-neck on today. Our, our goal today and this year and for the mission of this church is not to be the biggest church in town. That's not our goal. Uh, our goal is not to be an elite church or a country club church. Our, our goal is to be a spiritually healthy church. And here's what that looks like. It means that we love Jesus and that we have a very high view of scripture, uh, that we love prayer. And we want to take the beautiful, powerful gospel to this neighborhood and to the nations. That's Highland in in two sentences. But enough about Highland and and enough about my victory lap at at, at Baylor. Let's let's talk today about where we're going to be in God's word. If you have your copy of God's word, and I hope you do, would you turn with me, please, to the first book in the New Testament, book of Matthew, and go to Matthew chapter 5 with me. If you forgot your Bible today or forgot your smartphone or your device, I'm certain someone next to you will be glad to share. Someone's nice next to you today, I know of this. If no one's nice next to you, then you might want to get up and move and move to sit with somebody else. We're going to begin a new series today, and it's called The Hillside Radical. And we're going to be in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 over the course of this fall semester. It's the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus delivers what, what I think is the most relevant passage in all of the Bible for where our world is right now. Because Jesus is going to talk about relationships, and worry, and fear, and anxiety. Uh, he's going to talk about judging others. He's going to talk about how we, how we handle the truth, what we do with the truth, how we handle people who are different than, than we are. And so we'd encourage you to be here this fall semester as we walk through the Sermon on the Mount together. Let's begin in Matthew chapter 5. Let me read beginning in verse 1. Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. Seeing the crowds... He, Jesus, went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted of heaven. Don't close your Bibles. Two important things that need to be your Bibles. Two important things that need to be noted in these verses, verses one through 10, the passage we just read. First of all, the sermon that Jesus preaches is about his kingdom and what it looks like for you and I to live within the kingdom of God here on earth. Let me prove that to you. You may have to go back one page. It might be on the same page. Look at Matthew chapter four, verse 23. 
And, and see what it says there, just a few verses up from where we were. And he, meaning Jesus, went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. So Matthew chapter five, verses one through 10 is not a list of behavior modification. It's to make you a better person. The, the eight things we read just then are not eight pithy statements to help you find a, a help you to, to have a better semester that's coming. A Matthew chapter five is not Jesus yelling out, do better. It's him describing life in his kingdom and what it looks like for you and I to live in the kingdom of God. The second thing I want you to note, this sermon is not for the general public. Look back at chapter five, verse one. And seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. His followers those who wanted to be near Jesus, those who trusted Jesus, those who wanted to hear the words of Christ, those who were following Christ. And that is very important because if you're a follower of Christ here today, this message is for you. Jesus sits down. Do you see that in verse one? He sits down because that's what a rabbi would do. He would sit down, but all the listeners would stand up. We may try that at Highlands someday. I may just preach seated up here and you can just stand for the entire 30 minutes. In verses one through 10, Jesus is talking about his people living here on this earth, but living as people who love and treasure and worship the king. For you note takers, you can write this down. I think this is kind of the gist of Matthew five. Most of us gladly choose heaven over hell, but we struggle choosing heaven over earth. All those in this house would probably say, yeah, between being with God and burning in the flames, I'll take God every time over the things that this earth, this world has to heaven, choosing the things of the kingdom of God over the things that this earth, this world has to offer us. So Jesus is saying, while we live on earth, the things that this earth, this world has to offer us. So Jesus is saying, while we live on earth, we live like people who belong to heaven. Yes, we will live here on earth, we'll live in the culture, but we belong to the king. We belong to the kingdom. And life in God's kingdom is never dull. It's not mainstream. It is difficult, but God's favor, it rests right on top of the kingdom of God. And so if you're a believer in Christ today, you're already in that kingdom and you're following a king. And so we have the word blessed here eight different times. It's the only time Jesus uses the same word eight times in any of his sermons. The word blessed is right here. Do you see it in verses one all the way down to verse 11? Uh, the word blessed in Greek is the word makarios. And makarios means supremely happy, or it means to be filled up with, with joy. And so Jesus is speaking here of a full joy that you and I can have in the kingdom of God. And when you think about it, full joy is what everybody in this room is after. And we're going to spend a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of money, a lot of relationships, a lot of conversations, a lot of activities in this life pursuing after full joy. But Jesus is pointing out to us here so clearly, here is where full joy is found. It begins here in verse three. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is not talking about physical poverty or material poverty, but he's talking about spiritual poverty. In other words, spiritual need. If you're a note taker, I have some ways for you to understand what full joy in the kingdom is about. You can write this down. Full joy is knowing you need Jesus. And not just for salvation. 
You need him every day. So Jesus is talking here about about humility, about being fully dependent upon him. That's what it means to be poor in spirit because we are destitute. We are impoverished in this world in, in our spirit without Jesus. This is kingdom living. There's actually full joy when you come to a place that you give up looking to the world for significance and for status and you realize, wow, I am poor in my spirit. I need Jesus. This is Jesus. And as a follower of Christ, what we're doing, we're testimony for you today. I have tried, who is Jesus? Uh, Just a little personal testimony for you today. I have tried before to be my own king, to be my own shepherd, to to be my own ruler. It always ends in bad places. So all of us here, we need a, a, a pig pen moment where we realize, just like the prodigal son, we realize that everything this world has to offer is actually nothing compared to knowing God and being near to the Father. And so we come to our spiritual senses and we realize that that everything that this world offers is actually nothing. And so we run to Jesus. Maybe some of you, you return to Jesus. We cling to Jesus and we know that we need Jesus more than anything that this culture, anything that this world has to offer. Let me say this, Highland. It's a good thing to be a spiritual beggar because it causes you to move toward Jesus. You realize that Jesus is the only one who can help you and serve you. Verse four says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be, they will be Comforted. Here's the second thing you can write down. Full joy is grieving over your sin. Again, not just on the day of your salvation, but anytime we rebel against God, we, we lament. You, you grieve when you realize that your sin hurts you. Your sin hurts others. Your sin hurts fellowship with, with God. And we mourn when we see God for who, we, for who he is, and then we mourn when we see who we are in light of who he is. It causes us to, to lament. It causes us to repent. It causes us to grieve over our own sin. And listen, when you and I grieve over our rebellion, when you and I grieve over our sin, what's the promise that's attached here? It says in verse four, God will comfort us. That's completely opposite of everything the world will tell you. The world will say, just keep on sinning and enjoy it. Or try a different sin and see if that brings you more joy. But Jesus says here, full joy is actually found when we grieve over our sin. Look at verse five. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The, the word meek here refers to, to a bit in, in the mouth of a horse. It's talking about controlling a, a wild animal. A taming a wild animal, a horse being under the authority of the one who is riding that horse. And so if you're taking notes, full joy is being under God's authority. It is, it is submitting yourself to his life. It's like you, you were to say, I was once wild, but now I'm under his authority. I once controlled my own life, but now I ask God to control my life. He is the master. When you think about it, someone's going to be your king. You're going to live in some kingdom. You're going to submit yourself to some king. Often it's the king of our own lives, who we are. It's the king of other people's opinions of us. It might be for you the king of an addiction or the king of an ungodly habit. But you're going to bow down to some king. And you will live in some kingdom. 
the, the good news here is that Jesus said real life is found, full joy is found when you are submitted underneath God's authority. Jesus is saying if you're gonna live life in the kingdom, this means that Jesus is your king. And let me say especially to the freshmen, maybe transfer students, this is your first semester at Baylor, MCC, TSTC, and it's a brand new chapter for you. Can you just hear these words from an older brother? There is no better place to be than under God's authority. There's no safer place to be than under God's authority because if you're not under God's authority, you're under your own authority or you're under the authority of other people's opinions of you or again, under the authority of some addiction that you can't control. Full joy is being under the authority of God. Look at verse six. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. If you're taking notes, this is the fourth blessing we see here. Full joy is longing for holy things. I get that word longing for that, the, the word hunger and, and thirst that Jesus mentions here in, in verse six. I get the word holy from just righteousness. Um, it, it is a good thing. You're filled with joy when you long for right things, for righteous things, for holy things. And the promise here, do you see this? The promise is we will be filled when we long for holy things. So when you're under God's authority, all of these beatitudes come together into one package. When you're under God's authority, you long for holy things. You long for eternal things. You long for godly things. But when you're under your own authority, you long for temporary things. You long for ungodly things. You long for unholy things. So longing for holy things, this is why this is so important to see the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount in the New Testament. Jesus comes on the scene and he reminds us that all of these ways of living in the kingdom is based on love, not the law. In the Old Testament, Moses went up to the mountain and told all the people, you stay down there, I'm gonna bring the law back down to you. But did you see here, Jesus goes up the mountain and he invites everyone to come with him. Moses comes down and, and brings the law. Jesus says, come to me and I'll bring you love and I'll, I'll teach to you about, about grace. And so these beatitudes, longing for holy things, is not based on the law, it's based on, on love. Let me confess one of my many weaknesses to you. I have a very heavy foot when it comes to driving, a, a lead foot. I, I drive much faster than any pastor in town should be, should be allowed. And so Valley Mills, especially, what is that, 60 miles an hour on, on Valley Mills? Oh, 40? Okay, 40 miles an hour on, on, on Valley Mills. Um, I have the hardest time staying within the, in the limit until I see a police officer especially if he's behind me. I can slow down. The law motivates me to stay within the rules very, very easily. But once I don't see that police officer, that police officer is no, no longer behind me, that, that law doesn't motivate me long-term. Now, when my kids were little and they're in the back seat, I always drove the speed limit because I was motivated by love for my kids. I didn't have to let the law tell me to stay within the rules. I let love tell me to stay within the rules. And now that I have granddaughters, like when they're in the back seat, I'm going 10 miles under the speed limit and you better not get near me. I will block you out on Valley Mills because I'm motivated by this love for my granddaughters. But this is what Jesus is saying. You're gonna long for holy things, not based on the requirement of the law. You're gonna long for holy things because of relationship of love with the Father. And so this is the great picture here of this full joy longing for, for holy things. Again, not because of the law requirement, but because of her love relationship with the Father. 
Verse seven, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You see, as recipients of God's joy is giving out mercy in the same quantity that you received it. It's just taking the mercy that you see in the same quantity that you received it. It's just taking the mercy that you received from God and you just hand that out to others. And if we don't do that, Christian, we become judgmental. Let me define that for you. If you and I in this room, we've received the mercy of God, we even have begged for the mercy of God, we have loved the mercy of God, and then we don't pass that mercy along to others, you and I become judgmental because if we don't give people mercy like we have received mercy, what we're doing is we're judging those people saying, you don't deserve the mercy that I just received. Jesus will talk about this 13 chapters later in Matthew chapter 18 in the parable of the merciless servant who is forgiven of so much, received so much mercy, and then it came time for him to forgive someone of, of a few things, of smaller things, to give a little bit of mercy. He does not. He refuses to give mercy to others. But here's the deal, Christian. Forgiven people forgive people. We take the mercy of God and we distribute it out. There is a, a blessing here for giving mercy because then we'll obtain mercy. If you received mercy, then you distribute mercy. I know that redistribution of wealth is a hot topic today, a hot political topic today, but redistribution of mercy should not be controversial at all for the Christ follower. We take the mercy every day, we pass that mercy along. Verse eight, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Note takers, full joy is celebrating and guarding the purity that Christ has given you. Full joy is celebrating that you are pure in heart, but then also guarding the purity that Christ has given to you. Now, the, the audience on the mountainside were primarily Jewish. And I am certain when they heard blessed are the pure in heart, it was confusing to them because so much of the Old Testament is not about purity of heart, it's about purity of the body, purity of the outside. They had all these rules for ceremonial bathing and ceremonial cleansing. But Jesus is coming here on the scene and everything's gonna be flipped. This is why the last word of the Old Testament is the word cursed. Or your translation might use the word destruction. But the very first word that Jesus uses in the New Testament to his people is the word blessed. Jesus comes and he changes everything. He's, like, he's saying, I'm not talking about you being clean on the outside. I'm talking about your heart being pure. So Jesus is saying, if I am your king, then your heart is pure. If I am your king, then, then your heart has been cleansed already because it's Jesus who purifies our heart because of what he has done on the cross, his forgiveness. But it's our responsibility now, this is so important. You stay away from boundaries that you define and that you are you're very careful of within your relationships with others so that you might be holy. You have physical relationships with others so that you might be holy. You have physical boundaries with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your fiance because you are already holy. Physical boundaries with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your fiance because you are already holy in Christ. You're not selective with your words or selective with in Christ. You're not selective with your words or selective what you listen to, your music, your movies, your media, so that you might become more holy. You and I are selective with our words, Christian, and we're very careful with the, the, the movies, the media, the things that we watch, the things that we listen to, because we already are holy 
in Christ. If you need a good cross-reference for that, it's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. We have already been made holy. And so there's nothing you can do this week, Christian, to make you more holy. What can you do this week, Christian? Guard your holiness. Because you're completely holy already in Christ. Verse nine, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Ladies, I don't want you to be left out here. That word really means you're, you're godly. You're a part of the family of, of God. You've taken on the characteristics of God. So I could say here, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons and daughters of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall take on the characteristics of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be the family of God. Here's how you can write this down. Full joy is bridging gaps. Peacemaking is so different than peacekeeping. And Jesus says right here, blessed are the peacemakers. In peacekeeping, you're keeping two parties apart from one another. So they never speak. They don't have to argue. They're not fighting. So peacekeeping is you stay over here, you stay over here. But peacemaking, this is why it's so much more difficult, is bringing the two parties together and working things out. And Christians should be experts at peacemaking because God is a peacemaker. And when you and I were separated by our sin from God, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, went to a cross, died for our sin. Peace with God. Now Jesus is praying for you right now. And all of this to make peace with God. Before Christ, we, we were enemies of God. Before Christ, we were children of the wrath of with God. Before Christ, we, we were enemies of God. Before Christ, we were children of the wrath of God. But now Christ has come and he has made peace between a sinful man and, and a holy God, between our sinful selves and a holy God. So we are also to be peacemakers, not at the compromise of truth, but we are to be peacemakers in this city, uh, on your campus, in the workplace, in your neighborhood. A good question to ask yourself perhaps would be this. When you walk into the room, what else walks in? Peace or division? What, what do you bring into your marriage? What do you bring into your family? What, what do you bring into your, your, your apartment, your dorm room? What do you bring into, into the workplace? Do you bring peace or do you bring chaos? Uh, do, do you bring peace with you or do you bring conflict? Christians should be on the front lines of peace in the city of Waco. Verse 10, and lastly, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Theirs is the kingdom of of heaven. Do you see that? Verse 10, verse 1 have the same problem, promise. The, the, the bookends of the kingdom of, of heaven. So Jesus expands this a little bit in verse 11, verse 12. I hope your Bible's still open. Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely, Jesus says, on my account. This is so counterintuitive. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. In other words, if you're going to live in the kingdom of God under Jesus as your king, you just need to know that your life is going to be counterculture. Your life is going to be countercampus. Your life is going to be counter to this world. Note takers, you can write this down. Full joy is when the world pushes back against you. Jesus says there's joy there. 
He says it in verse 12, rejoice. He says that again in verse 12, be glad when the world pushes back against you. Uh, be glad when the world says, no, you're, you're, you're standing on something different than I'm standing on. You're living in a different world. And this is the most intensive statement of them all. When Jesus was teaching this, there was probably a full crowd there on the hillside outside of the Sea of Galilee. A few pages over, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. People love free food. But have you noticed the closer you get to the cross, the crowds get smaller and smaller to where Jesus was hanging naked on a cross, bleeding out for you and I, and there's a smattering of people there. The crowds are gone. And this is also Jesus' way of reminding all of us in this house today, if you're gonna follow Jesus, the world will be against you. And some of you hear that statement and you might be thinking right now, then I don't want that, Jesus. The crowds get smaller and smaller as more and more the truth comes out, what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. We will be persecuted for righteousness and if you don't get an occasional bloody nose from this culture, you're not living it right. Because the world will always push back against righteousness. When your popularity or social status or your job or life itself is on the line, are you going to keep your eyes on the king? This is what Jesus is saying right here. You'll be filled with joy when the world pushes against you. Would you stand with me, please? And let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word to us today where we can find full joy, full life, rich life, to live a life that's supremely happy, to live a life that's filled with joy. And it looks so different than our culture. It looks so different than living here in the West. It looks so different than campus life. It looks so different even than church life. Jesus, by your grace, would you help us to live in your kingdom under the authority of the king? That's where life is found. That's where full joy is found. Because our world, Jesus, says the forgiving such a radical teaching. Because our world says the opposite. The culture says the opposite. But we want to live under your authority. We want to live in your joy. We want to receive that mercy and just pass it along. This is where full joy is found. Thank you for loving us enough to give us the truth. In Christ we pray, amen.